0: This week's episode of The Secrets of Product Management is a rerun of an oldie but goodie, The Secret Product Management Framework. I talk about the components of this framework often on the podcast, but this episode puts it all together with examples and justifications. One of the great benefits of this framework, as it mentions in this episode, is that it gives you a great catchphrase for describing what you do to non-technical people. Just a note about this episode, when I recorded it, The podcast was called All the Responsibility, None of the Authority, and the episode numbering scheme was a bit wacky, so this one is number 323. You can access the show notes at secretsofpm.com slash 323 or at alltheresponsibility.com slash 323. Both lead to the same place. Take a listen. How do you describe product management? Do you find yourself saying, I'm the CEO of the product? Do you think anyone understands what you mean when you say that? In this podcast episode, I'm gonna share a framework that will help you answer this question. The framework will serve you in a lot of ways. First, it's simple and straightforward, so it's easy to remember. It uses short words in ways everyone can understand, which means you can use it with other people that are not high-tech. And it doesn't depend on technical or specialized knowledge. Second, this simple set of ideas, again, very short, easy-to-understand words, something you can tell your parents and they'll understand, really does capture the essence, and not just the essence, but the most important parts of what makes up product management. And because of this, the framework will help you become a more effective product manager. What do I mean by this specifically? How does this framework, again, just a set of words so far, help you become more effective? Well, understanding this framework makes you better at motivating your dev team to create great solutions. I have a podcast episode about that. You can check it out in the show notes. The framework will give you tools to help your sales and marketing teams to sell and market better. That's episode 321 and 322, the most recent ones of this podcast. And it will actually improve your presentation skills. The ideas in this framework also apply to how to sell yourself or how to sell an idea. Knowing why people buy things, which is fundamental for being a product manager, turns out to apply when we're pitching ourselves and our new product ideas to executives as well. And as I mentioned, you will finally have a way to describe what you do to your parents and other non-technical, non-high-tech people. Bottom line, understanding what product management really is helps you get better products to market faster, make more of a difference in the world, create more value, beat your competitors, and expand your market, and know when to expand your market. Fire, We have ignition. This is Nels Davis, and you're listening to All the Responsibility, None of the Authority. In this podcast, we feature the best mental models, tools, techniques, and secrets for product managers, product marketers, innovators, and founders. If you're trying to create value in the world, delivering solutions to problems that need solving, this podcast will give you insights and approaches to up your game, accelerate your career, and get more value to market faster. This is episode number 323. I call this the secret product management framework. Why is it secret? Well, I've never seen product management described like this, so if anyone has done it, it was secret to me anyway. Many people do talk about these components separately, but not tied together in this way, and usually not in such a simple way. The framework combines and simplifies a lot of ideas that I and other product managers have used for years, because of course, it does represent what real product managers do. But they've never quite been brought together in this simple model before, at least that I could ever find. So I really wanted a simple model, so I created it. Now I've mentioned this model in the podcast before, but I've never devoted a whole episode to it. It does form the overarching structure of my book, The Secret Product Manager Handbook. So it might be a little bit familiar if you looked at that. I found the framework to be very powerful in my career and I hope it's helpful to you as well. Let's start by setting the scene a little bit. There's really only a few product managers compared to pretty much every other function in a business, whether that's sales or dev or whatever. But our influence on the business is sort of outsized in comparison to our numbers. And this is because product management is responsible for the top line of the business. The revenue from products. No one else in the company can be successful if product management isn't delivering products that can be sold successfully at a profit. If product management isn't delivering, then the best sales team in the world can't hit their quotas, and all the marketing in the world can't make that revenue line go up. So, product management is important. We all agree. And yet, there are lots of unsuccessful products and startups that fail because no one wants the products they bring to market. So I'm talking in this podcast episode about a framework for product management, but if you think about the fundamental activity of product management, it's making the decision about what to build and why. So this framework helps figure out the right answer to that question, but every product that's created, somebody made that decision. So why are so many of these products unsuccessful? Well, this is the question we need to grapple with and which the framework or the way of thinking that's embodied in this framework will really help. There's a simple realization to be made. People, the market, people buying stuff, only buy products that address or solve a fundamental, urgent, pervasive problem or need. This is true for consumer products and it's true for business products. That is, the problem or the need is central. It's the most important facet of product management, therefore. So consider the iPod. I always find the iPod such a rich source of good product management lessons because Steve Jobs really whether he thought of himself as a product manager or not, really was a fantastic product manager. In some ways, the iPod seems like a completely frivolous product, but it does address a need that humans have been trying to address in various ways since the dawn of time, which is this need for music. Our prehistoric ancestors banged stones together, and they put skins across logs to make drums, and they used hollow reeds to make notes and flutes and things. And in the Middle Ages, traveling musicians would delight villages with their music and dancing, and in the 19th century, sheet music drove the music making at home, and all of these music innovations made money. Some of them made a lot of money, and every time someone has come up with a better way to make or share or participate in music, it's been wildly successful and created new millionaires. In the 20th century, this included a bunch of technologies that listeners to this podcast may not even know about, things like the phonograph, the 45 record, the LP, the cassette tape, the transistor radio, the Walkman, and so forth and so on. And of course, in the 21st century, we have all the music streaming. And of course, who has made billions of dollars on music? Apple, because of iTunes and the iTunes store and the iPod and all those sorts of things. The point is that music is a fundamental human need, and so a frivolous product like the iPod can make billions, satisfying it in a new and better way. And this is true for any product. For business products, The need or problem to be solved is usually not so frivolous. It may not be based on a desire like music. It may be based on a real business problem. Part of the challenge in business software and a lot of other product areas is that these problems are mysterious or hard to find. They're not obvious on the surface. Everyone loves music, and so you can always imagine better ways to get your music. But that's not always true of accounting or doing HR or doing project management. So our job as product managers is to find those problems, the ones that are not solved well, create solutions for them, and take those solutions to market. Now, if you analyze successful and unsuccessful products with a problem-solving focus, you'll quickly see that the successful products solve a market problem usually better than the alternatives that are available. And the unsuccessful products, no matter how good their technology, fail to solve a problem or fail to solve it better than the alternatives. Now, one of the challenges with finding products that have failed is mostly those companies don't succeed, and so you don't ever hear about them. But sometimes big companies do this, and I'll give you one example. This is Google Wave. It's a cool technical capability that was announced by Google in around 2008 as the replacement for email. It was heavily used by the people in Google Australia where it had been developed, but Google never bothered to share any compelling use cases that weren't already solved by other products. And no one outside Google could figure out what to do with it or why it was better than what we already had. This is not to say that Google Wave didn't solve problems. It might have done it better than anything since sliced bread. But as you'll see, it's not just about solving problems that are worth solving. And this may have been a solution to a problem that was worth solving. But you also have to help your market understand that your solution is better than alternatives. Google is very bad at this, as it turns out. They've done it multiple times, created interesting technology, but not given people any understanding of why they should make use of it. This insight is going to help us answer that most challenging and vexing question about what we do, which is, what is product management? Let's bring this all now back to the framework after making these observations. I'm going to talk you through the framework basically to answer that question, what is product management? Well, we're called product managers. So let's start with a mental box labeled product. We're talking mental boxes as a podcast. I don't have can't show you a picture. And product is in our name. This is probably the part of the job that's most obvious to you. I suspect most of what you've learned about product management thus far has revolved around the product. By the end of this episode, you'll have a much better context for thinking about the product, but for now, let's focus on that. The product component of product management involves things like requirements or user stories or features, doing design, both visual and technical, working with the backlog, agile development methodologies, Conversations about whether the product manager is also the product owner or it's a different role, whatever. Things like releases and release planning and even roadmaps. And indeed, as a product manager, product is where you spend a lot of your time typically. But it, it's probably not 80%, at least it shouldn't be. It's maybe more like 40 to 50%, ideally. So the question is I'm saying that, what else should we be doing with the rest of our time? Let's go back to the basics here. Our products solve problems for users. And so this is where things kind of get interesting. I think they get interesting at any rate. The most fundamental thing is that successful products solve important problems for customers. I'm using the term problem as a shorthand. Of course, I talked earlier about desires and needs as well. Business applications and products usually literally solve problems. Whereas consumer products, they may solve a problem, they may address a desire or a need. But I'll use the term problem in this episode. But you can think of need or desire if you're working on a consumer product that is in that space. So a big part of our job as product managers is actually going out and finding these market problems, the customer needs and desires. Since what our product does is solve a problem, I recommend renaming that box, the one that's in your head that currently says product, rename that to solution. That's going to help you remember that your product must solve a problem. And so now we have a new box, which is market problem. Two boxes now, market problem and solution. Those are two of the key things that we do. Find market problems, create solutions. Where do we find these problems, and how do we know we found one worth solving? Well, of course, we do things like market research. There's lots of ways to find market problems or customer desires, and I have several podcast episodes that cover some of these techniques, which I'll list in the show notes. But in general, you have approaches like interviewing customers or prospects or talking to people on the market, watching what people do and doing anthropology. Or you use a framework like the jobs to be done framework, which has a whole methodology for finding unmet needs of market segments. Note that this process needs to happen whether you're talking about the product as a whole or an individual feature of a product. Every component of what we build should solve some kind of problem. Not all problems that we do find are worth solving or are the right problems for us to solve. The other half of the problem box is that we need to validate that the problems we found are worth solving. Will enough people pay for a solution that it's worth our time to solve it? Indeed, can we solve it? And finding and validating market problems isn't something you just do once. You need a continuous funnel of potential problems to solve with your product or with a new product in order to keep your customers happy as competitors build stuff. There's lots of reasons to continue to fill that funnel. So you'll be constantly out talking to the market to find and validate new problems. One question might be, how much should you do this? And some product management experts say that product managers should talk to a customer or a prospect or someone in the market at least every week over the course of the year. And this is outside the context of a sales call. Sales calls don't count for that. So once you have this funnel of market problems coming in through this research, there's a process of deciding which problems to attack. Because not all problems, even if they're validated to be good and potential money makers, they're not all things that you should build They're not all things that you might want to build, and some are going to be better than others. So there's a lot of ways to prioritize, as I've described in previous episodes. Again, I'll put some links in the show notes. We have this funnel of potential business problems to solve. We need to winnow it down to the things we're really going to focus on. So summarizing, we find market problems that need solving. We validate them. We decide which ones we're going to build, and then we create solutions to the best of those problems. But there's one other very important function that the company needs to do for a solution to be successful. We need to find and acquire the prospects who have the problems that we solve, and then we need to get those people to buy our solution. We need to take our solution to market. Now, go-to-market is the part of product management process where we define who is a good prospect so that marketing can go out and find those people, and we make sure the salespeople know what to say to our prospects when they find them. Now, the challenges you're addressing in the go-to-market phase are things like who are the right customers and prospects to target? How do we find them? What do we say to them when we do find them? What's the best way to communicate with them? How do our prospects find out we have a solution to their problem? And why should they buy our product instead of something else? These are not all directly in the purview of product management, but we have insights and data and knowledge about all of these different components. We know the types of people that have the problem we solve. We know the problem that we solve. We know why our solution is better than alternatives. And all of that stuff needs to get fed back into sales and marketing so marketing can find the right prospects and sales knows what to do to close them. I go into a great deal of detail about this whole go-to-market topic in episodes 320 and 321. That's the secret product manager framework. We find market problems, we create solutions to those problems, and we get customers to buy our solutions. So why is this secret? Again, I've never seen product management described like this. If anyone has done it, I never saw it. I did do a lot of searching because I wanted to know. People do talk about the components separately, but not tied together in this way. One of the big strengths of this model is that you can use it to talk to non-technical people about what you do. My advice is don't say that you're the CEO of the product because they won't know what you mean. And if it's your parents, they'll think you're pretty full of yourself. So instead, try this. I find market problems. I create solutions to those problems and take the solutions to market. Everyone understands problems and solutions and customers, whatever their background. They don't have to be high tech. How can you start using this information right away? Well, I really recommend it become your mantra. I find market problems, guide the creation of solutions to those problems, and take the solutions to market. Some version of that. And of course, it's always really focused on the problem. It's a good way to describe what you do, of course. It will differentiate you from a lot of product managers who cannot give you a concise description of what they do, and it will help your thinking and help you to change your mindset and help you work with all the people that are building this solution and taking it to market for you. You can also use it to help guide your activities. For example, the problem you're solving really needs to imbue everything. Your work at root is not about the product, it's about the customer and what the product does for them how it solves their problem. So whether you're talking to customers or prospects or engineers, try to put the feature or feature request in the context of a customer problem. One simple change is to say you instead of we when talking to customers about your product. In other words, don't say our product has feature X because that's not about a solution. That's just about a fact. Instead say your problem Y is addressed by our feature X. That's much more about putting it in the context of the problem, putting it in the customer's own context, and there's all kinds of good reasons, including the fact that it just makes them more engaged. So in summary, that's the fundamental framework. Product management is finding and validating an urgent pervasive problem in the market that someone will pay for a solution for, creating a solution to that problem, and helping the market understand that you have a solution to the problem and that your solution is better than the alternative solutions that the prospect might have. There are obviously a lot of nuances inside these high-level points. Validating the market problem, understanding competitors, working with developers if it's a software product, and so on. But the key points, find a problem, solve it, tell the market about your solution, are fundamental. If you mess up any of them, you won't be successful as a product manager, and your company won't be successful. It turns out that the first step, the problem component, is the most critical. No matter how good your product is, if it doesn't solve an urgent, pervasive problem for the market, or address a fundamental need, no one will buy it. In this podcast, over the episodes, we've explored a lot of different facets of product management, but the underlying need to find a market problem and solve it has always been underneath there. So let me give you a few final thoughts about the secret product management framework before we go. I found that writing the framework down was a real revelation. It put all the activities that I do as a product manager into perspective. And one test of a new framework is how well it explains what you might call previous observations. In this case, the previous observations were the things I actually did as a product manager, the successful and unsuccessful products out in the market, and the articles I've been posting on my blog and the podcast episodes I've been creating for years. And I think the framework has passed that level of analysis. I'll put a link to my article that links all my other articles to the framework. It's kind of compelling. And I'm not going to go into full detail, but here's a few highlights. Over the years, I've written quite a few articles that really fit into this concept of finding and validating market problems, from rules of thumb about the characteristics of good market problems to solve, to a series on how to be badass at finding market problems. Of course, a huge amount of our time and energy is taken up in the solution area, and I've written a bunch of articles and episodes about writing requirements, prioritizing agile development, roadmaps, working with developers, and ensuring quality, all of which fit really well into that solutions component. And in terms of go-to-market, many of my articles have been about go-to-market. Finding the people who have the problem you solve, making sure they know you have a solution, and convincing them that your solution is a better option for them than any other way they can spend their money. So I want to talk a little bit more about an extended version of the framework that I sometimes use. The core product management activities of finding problems, creating solutions, taking them to market, they all happen in the context of a few other important things that sort of go as layers horizontally across the whole process. One of them is the organization strategy. One of them is the skills of the team, the actual product management skills of the team. You also wanna think about the tools that the team gets to use or has to use. And of course, the management of the product management function. Those additional layers make up what I call the full secret product management framework. The three boxes of finding problems, creating solutions and going to market. Those are the core component. And so this podcast has been about those main boxes, but the other layers are very important. And I have a lot of articles about those layers as well. So I hope you can immediately start using the ideas in this episode. The three things you can do today to put this information to use, make sure you can clearly articulate the problem your product is solving for your customer and write that down. So it becomes a corporate asset. Make sure whenever you're creating a new feature or creating a new product, that you can validate that it really is a problem that customers in the market will pay for a solution for. And finally, start explaining how your product is better than its competitors at solving that problem, which is why customers should buy yours rather than theirs. If you can do those three fundamental things, you are much more likely to have a successful product in the market. Let me mention a few things before leaving. I have a new cheat sheet on the website you might find valuable. It's a framework and template for capturing the information for great customer success stories about how your solution addressed a big important problem they had and how that resulted in their business and personal life being a lot better. You can check that out at the show notes at alltheresponsibility.com 323, where there's a link, or you can simply go to alltheresponsibility.com stories, and that will take you directly to the access page for that cheat sheet. I mentioned a lot of other articles and podcast episodes. You can find links to all of those in the show notes. I'd love to hear about your successes and challenges in making use of this framework and just in general being a product manager. Feel free to leave a comment in the show notes or drop me an email at nils at nilsdavis.com. This has been episode 323 of All the Responsibility, None of the Authority. And until the next episode, this is Nils Davis. Bye-bye. mission.